the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 45, recorded Friday, June 8th, 2012. How we do AV Week. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. This is AV Week. AV. AV Week. It is time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Tim Albright, your host. Uh, this month, this week, all the way, uh, the kind of the lead-up to Infocom, we have been highlighting... Uh, our monthly shows, and uh, this is the last one we have because Infocom actually starts uh, three days from this recording, or no, three, four, four days from this recording. Uh, so our last one here is going to be our House of Worship show. It's called Howcast, and this one is a labor lo- labor of love for me, kind of like the education show is because uh, I've got a lot of experience in House of Worship. I still volunteer at, at my my local uh, my local church, and so uh, the other two guys that we have that are usually on the show. Uh, one is uh, no stranger to this part uh, is Michael Drainer. Uh, he's from Tech Electronics. How are you, sir? Good morning, Mr. Albright. And the other one is also no stranger to this part. Um, it is uh, Matt D. Scott, our our uh, token uh, Canadian. So, token. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Awesome. Uh, actually, one other person that's going to join us this week, uh, who is on a, a new council uh, for Infocom, then we'll talk about that in a second, uh, is Mark uh, Del Judas. Uh, from, uh, he's from a company called Wire Wizards uh, out in California. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? Doing well. Uh, real briefly, what is Howcast? Howcast is kind of like uh, the EdTech show, only it's for House of Worship. Um, it's kind of foreign about... Uh, people who volunteer on a weekly basis, you deal with AV or, you know, you're one of your wheelhouses, one of your main uh, sources of revenue is house of worship. And so we talk about it from an integrator, integrator standpoint, uh, but also as all three of us are, are generally volunteers for our local, our local houses of worship. And we also talk about it from the church side as well. So check it out if you would. All of these monthly podcasts, as well as the weekly, this, the, the AV week and the daily show we do with, uh, and we'll sit with John Stewart, <laughs> the daily, uh, the daily rave we do <laughs> with uh, I would that would be really cool. With, That's quite uh, flattering to Mr. K. Yeah, with Gary K. Uh, we do that, and you can find all of these at ravepubs.com forward slash avnation. Ravepubs.com forward slash avnation. Uh, this week we are going to go do do some actual AV news. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, an article that I found fascinating. Uh, he's uh, a gentleman wrote and says, "I don't mean to be an alarmist, but the TV business may start collapsing anytime soon. So run for the hills." Cisco su- is suing TiVo for some godforsaken reason, and Google and Facebook both want a company called Vivo. But first, uh, the week before Infocom, they have a little show uh, out in the West called, West Coast called E3. 
I've always wanted to go to E3 just because I'm a geek and I like games, but that's what it is. It's a big gaming conference. And this week, one of the big things that was announced was Microsoft Smart Glass. Uh, and if you if you paid attention to any kind of technology news, uh, one of the interesting p- points was the fact that Microsoft was buying up every version of my, of SmartGlass.com, SmartGlass.tv. So I mean, they were they were they were honing the market even before the announcement. So it was obvious they were going to have something called SmartGlass. What SmartGlass is is SmartGlass is Microsoft's play for the living room. It's it's their four way into kind of Apple TV land or, or uh, Roku land. Uh, one of the announcements was the fact that you can now get Amazon, um, the on-demand Amazon video on the Xbox now. So now they're, they're taking the Xbox and they're moving it beyond just a gaming system, which I personally think is a pretty decent you know, gaming system. Uh, it, it's, it's one of the two that I have. Uh, but they're also you're also able to stream movies and, and, and stuff like that. So... Matt, is this something where, it, 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 first of all, does it make sense for Microsoft to, to make this play? And secondly, um, are we going to, is this going to be something where we're going to have to start worrying about um, integrating into the systems that we put in in, in in residentials? Yeah, I think it is. It's a, it's a smart play for Microsoft because that is becoming one of the next biggest uh, not only you know, kind of computing realms, but also one of the biggest entertainment realms is that convergence of you know our digital computer lives and our TV watching. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that almost every uh, big show has right now when you're watching it is they've got in the little corner they've got you know a little icon that's showing their their Twitter hashtag for the show, so you can join the conversation about the show. So Microsoft knows that at some point down the road, they're, you know, this is just going to become another major market for them that they need to get into. And yeah, I do think it is something that we are going to have to, you know, start really integrating properly. I know we've done a ton of work integrating their Xbox and all the Xbox, you know, source controls and apps uh, into a lot of our customers' systems because they're just... You know, they're wanting to be able to access their content from there. We're seeing a lot of people using those strictly uh, just to, or not just to access their their cable suppliers content, but as a, a better interface than what the cable company supplies. So, yeah, they're, it's definitely something that they're going to go after really heavy and it's something we're going to see just continue to grow. Michael, you're not a, a resi guy. You, got, you guys do mostly education and, and higher ed and, and stuff like that. Is this something that you're going to have to worry about at all? Stuff like not not just the the Microsoft Xbox, but stuff like Roku, and these boxes that do more than just one thing. Absolutely. I mean, we're already seeing the integration of um, uh, Apple TVs, Roku devices, Western digital media players, and things like that into our systems for a multitude of reasons. And uh, educators are wanting to use it to stream from their iPads, to access online content, um, a, a multitude of, of uh, media um, outlets that they can access with these devices. Now, that said... Um, Microsoft has been trying to play catch up with Apple in this particular segment for quite some time. And this is another attempt to continue to try to whittle away at Apple's market share. I don't know how successful they're going to be. I mean, building the whole thing on a on a game console that costs in the neighborhood of three, four, five hundred dollars, depending on the console you're buying. Ninety nine bucks here real soon. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, I mean, once they <laughs> once they get to that point, but um, you know, I just don't know. I, I don't. Time's going to tell on this one. Um, it, it's it seems to be uh, like I said, just a just a play to catch up. Well, Mark, you guys, you, what, your, your company, Wire Wizards, uh, has been around for a long time. Is this? I mentioned the $99 one, uh, Xbox, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but not really because it is a real product, and it's going to be a little disruptive. I mean, it does more than the Apple TV, and if Michael's right, you guys are going to have to start worrying about um, integrating all these little things. Is this kind of like the one, um, I don't want to say the one ring to rule them all, but it does an awful lot. So is this is this a great step for for Microsoft to kind of say, hey, you know, we're 100 bucks too, and now we do all, everything that the Apple TV does. I think it's a very smart step for them. They've got to keep up, and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to continue to be about price point. So, you know, if you can get a product like this for that kind of price, it's, I think it's going to have viability. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. So. Uh, this week, I, I mentioned the, the, the Daily Show with, with Gary Kay. Um, earlier, we, we did a, a story this week, uh, and if you don't know what the Daily Show is, the, the, it's the Daily Rave. I, I should probably stop saying that because I could get sued um, by one of my former employers, so that would be, be kind of fun. Um, the Daily Rave, we, we talked about some of the technologies that you need to pay attention to at Infocom next week, and one of them is... Is the twisted pair one of them? Is is the wired stuff that's coming down the pike here next week that you're going to see an awful lot of? And one of the things we were talking about was the ability to send audio and video and and um, and uh, control down one pay, piece of twisted pair. You, cat five, cat six, cut seven, whichever cat you want. But sure. you always you need a, a transmitter and, and a receiver in, in this scenario. Now, sure. Michael. What's one of the drawbacks? Yes, Tim. Oh, hush. Here, here's in <laughs> like two or three days later, this story came across my desk, and it's like, okay, here's the next generation. Here's the next evolution of this. Projection Design is releasing a, a projector that has a built, basically, a built-in receiver for HD base T, right? Mm-hmm. So now all you need is. A transmitter and then a projection design projector. Is this the next? Is, is this the next evolution? And should we see a lot more of these? And does this give HB, HD base T a leg up on stuff like AVB? I don't know that necessarily gives it a leg up on AVB. I think that HD base T and and I could be very very wrong on this, so don't you know at the end of the year come back and say you're a fool for saying that. I but, record these for a reason, Michael. Yeah, I know. Um, you know, it's the natural progression, though. Um, traditionally, what happens is is you a new technology arises and it's and it's uh, a standalone technology, and then you start to see bits and pieces of it integrated into other components that are tied to that technology, and then before you know it, it's part of those other components and that's what we're seeing here with um uh hd base t and with avb down the road um i see more and more manufacturers building interfaces into their hardware that's going to eliminate the the middleware or the middle not middleware but the middle hardware i like that word middleware well middleware would be a software so middle hardware um no that, i mean uh, it makes sense though. I'm not, hang on for a second that make i'm not i'm not i am poking fun at you but not really well, I, because sure. it makes sense middleware is a perfect word for that mm-hmm. because that, it, it's it's right. an interloper between you know your source and your destination right 
that's absolutely right. So what's this do to all these manufacturers who has who have built their entire business on middlewell where, where you're already starting to see them move into other technologies. So these guys that were making just the transmitters, receivers, the little adapters, all the little boxes that, that move content back and forth, uh, what have they done? They're starting to build switchers. They're starting to build scalers. They're starting to build other devices to augment the business that they know they're going to start losing as these technologies start to be integrated into the end-user devices. Okay, so Mark, does that mean that we should see more people whether that's Mitsubishi or, or, or Panasonic or whoever, start integrating, whether that's HB, HD base T or, you know, maybe AVB into their into their chipsets where, you know, now all you have is maybe you have two quote-unquote LAN ports. Maybe you have two RJ45 right. connectors. One is your actual LAN. The other one is is your twisted pair, you know, wired, um, your wired video. Absolutely. I think it's going to evolve exactly in this direction, and it makes perfect sense. Um, you know, just like the evolution of control systems with um, Crestron and AMX, all the manufacturers that are looking forward are going to be half looking at creating more usability and ease of uh, installation in this kind of way. Well, and actually, if you think about it, they, they're already moving, not necessarily with the video itself, but Tim, they're doing it with the control. And as, as Mark just said, Crestron, you're, you're already getting Crestron in the projector, right? I don't that's have to go out. And, right, exactly. But, but that's just the progression of that technology. What did you have to do before? You had to have a separate processor or a device sitting outside the projector to be able to control it. Well, now I can actually talk straight to the projector and integrate it with room view and be able to get all the things I had before. Um, you know, we saw with PCs back in the day where you you know you had your motherboard, you had your VGA card, and I'm really reaching back here. Then they started integrating it into the device because it just made more sense to put the chipset on board. So you know it's just a natural progression. The real question is going to be what technology is going to prevail. Bingo. Is it going to be HD base T? Is it going to be AVB? Is it going to be digital media? Is it going to be neck links? We don't know. Wow. We don't know at this stage of the game. I'm as big of Crestron fanboy as the next. Well, I'm a bigger Crestron fanboy than most next guys. I don't think it's going to be digital media. I no, mean, that's no. too I, I, proprietary. I said that. I said that in jest, but it, it was. Uh, now, if yeah. if there's some secret sauce back in the back room where you know we and we don't know this, if DM is like based on if DM is based on HB, HD base T or based on AVB, that would be cool. Absolutely, absolutely, and and I think we're going to start to see a lot of the proprietary formats drop by the wayside, especially as the industry starts to come around open standards, and that's something that the AV industry has has fought for a long time. That IT has done really well. IT has has really solidified itself around open standards, um, so it makes it easier for manufacturers to build products that are cross compatible. It makes it uh, uh, easier to integrate these devices, and as the AV industry starts to come in alignment with that through things like the Avenue Alliance, um, through the um, uh, the Collaborative Communications Alliance and different people along those lines, um, you're going to see this stuff really come to a head and really start to um, uh, go to that next generation of, of integration. You know what the great, great thing about standards are? There's so many of them. Uh, Matt, Matt uh, this leads us actually into into your neck of the woods. Um, Canada? 
Yes, actually, Canada. Excellent. Okay. By the way, I think it's sad that, there, that, that, that there's <laughs> that there's not a Canadian team in in the in the uh, in the hockey finals, but that's a whole other story. Yeah, but aren't well? Actually, one of our hometown boys is is leading the the Kings quite well in well, Drew hey, Downey. Yeah, you know, everybody that plays hockey is Canadian, so that's you know pretty much. Yeah. This is true. Yeah. Um, but no, but in, into residential because <laughs> another story we have is. One of Mitsubishi's displays has got RoomView, which is Crestron's um, asset management software. Like Michael was talking about, how how for, for years now projectors have had this this thing where you plug it into the network, and you can see it on on Crestron's asset management software. Well, now there's a display, so I mean, is it is it going to be open standards or is it going to be whichever manufacturer has the biggest stick or has the biggest carrot? That will let people you know, that will coerce people into integrating their proprietary stuff into into their devices. Well, I would love to say that it's going to be open and we're going to you know have whatever we want, but it's really going to come down to who has the biggest stick and who has uh, literally the money and the research to push their standards uh, essentially onto all these manufacturers, and it'll also be you know. It's not like we're going to see um, got uh, FSR panels come – or not panel FSR panels, but you know, flat screens and displays and projectors coming with FSR panel code built in. Yeah, because they're such a small manufacturer. Yeah, they make an okay, you know, a fairly decent product, mm-hmm. but it's not Crestron. It's not ANMX. Those are the ones that we're going to see. And, you know, again, it's that whole – I think it's just going to become harder and harder for, say, smaller companies um, to really compete and continue to do this stuff because when it comes right down to it, if you've got a Crestron environment already, why would you not spec a product that has Crestron built in? True. You know, it, take, it, it takes me back to those early days of computers when, you know, it was really a big deal if you had Intel inside. Well, but let's not think too short here because, I mean, we all know that the IT industry is converging more and more into uh, – the AV industry is converging more and more into yeah, IT. Yeah, It has – yeah, if exactly. don't say it, they won't know it's happening. Okay. Shh. I'll be quiet. <laughs> Shh. Little voice. Yeah. Inside voice. <laughs> <laughs> the IT are going to rule AV. Um, but, but in all seriousness, though, you know, I mean, Crestron is making a good move for the time being in putting all this in. And I don't want to mix uh, video delivery with control. I was just using that as an example but of how we're example. seeing this integration. But until the industry starts to adapt standards, such, such IT – I cannot talk today. My IT like getting, standards. They love standards. And there, there's, a, there's a protocol called uh, SNMP, Simple Network Management Protocol, that we use in the IP world. And until the control system manufacturers start to adapt a standard, something along the lines of SNMP, you're not going to see the, the global adoption of integrated control. You're going to see it in pockets. You're going to see Mitsubishi's putting it in theirs, but Sony's not. Uh, uh, Panasonic is going to use AMX inside instead of Crestron. And, and you're going to have bits and pieces are just scattered throughout the market. But eventually, the industry is going to evolve, and they're going to say, hey, the demand requires that we come up with a standard for this, such as happened with the video delivery systems. And that is why something like AVB has come to the forefront. Okay, hang on for a second. And, and, and I, I would strongly disagree with you 
when it when you say that there is a standard that has developed or, or come to the forefront when it comes to video. Because, hang on for a second, let me finish the thought. Because we've had video over Twisted Pair for, I'm going to rough, you know, just kind of shoot this out off the hip here. Yeah, it's seven, eight years, you know. It may be ten, but, but just, just, you know, stably and, and all this. Let's say seven, eight years. In that time, nobody has developed a non-proprietary standard that has reached a critical mass. AMX has their solution. Extron has their solution. Crestron has their solution. You know, they started with quick media. So let's start with that. And then that developed into digital media. So all these guys are these have these silos that are very Apple-esque. And I love Apple. Not, not anything about that. But are very Apple-esque where once you're in their ecosystem, you're in it. And to get out and into another ecosystem is going to cost you a lot of money to buy the middleware. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. The point I was trying to make is that for the first time in the in the history that I know of in video distribution, we are on the cusp of coming up yes. with a standard yes. that is being more globally adopted than ever because all the traditional distribution mediums have been highly proprietary. And that's why you see people that are exclusive to a particular manufacturer when it comes to their distribution. Or they've got this manufacturer in this room and this manufacturer in this room. And guess what? The two don't talk without running through device you know some weird thing exactly um or you have to break it down to baseband video before you can put it back into the twisted pair (laughs) format to move it the other direction um so so you know it's exciting to see that our industry is starting to adopt standards and starting to move that direction but it's a long time The, the time horizon on this is still a good ways out on the video distribution, and it is a long, long way out on control standards. I think these companies are going to continue to try to stay in control of these types of systems by making them proprietary. But, you know, we've seen this before with Sony, with Betamax years ago, with VHS. We've seen this over and over. Um, Apple's done a good job of maintaining control over their types of systems and is you know, now going to be coming out with TVs and all kinds of other gadgets. But I think that in the end, the more open architecture type approaches where you're able to take a Mitsubishi projector and an AMX control system and you know, they're going to work together automatically is eventually going to be the larger end of what's adopted. You're absolutely right, Mark. You're absolutely right. Okay. And you know, your example of Sony was a very good example because what happened to them? I mean, it's it was the death of them. I mean, yeah. well, no, no, hang on for a second. It, <laughs> Betamax wasn't the death of them. They lost that fight. They poured a lot of money into it. And yeah. what did they do? They learned their lesson. And twenty years later, they poured more money into the HD DVD versus Blu-ray fight, and they won that one. They won that one. They yeah. they did they did win that one, but it's not doing them any favors. Let's look at them today. Well, that's because they couldn't they couldn't see past the actual exactly. medium. <laughs> Oh, but that's one. a whole nother story. So it is. Let me ask you this, and uh, Mark, we'll start with you on this one. Is is there a company then that has the coffers, or, or the big stick, or the big carrot, to go to the most manufacturers to get a critical mass to get these into the most devices? And I ask this because the two biggest companies, uh, nothing against Extron, but but in my mind at least, the two biggest ones we have is Crestron. And AMX, one is a privately held company, one is a publicly traded company. Well, that's a good question. Um, I would say the other two that are in that ballpark is Extron 
and I think that Cisco's got their eye. Oh, this. Yeah. And it's you know let let's not talk about the elephant in the room, right? <laughs> so you know you're gonna see you're gonna see some uh, sparks fly over all this, but you know eventually they're gonna have to work together on one level or another, and you're gonna see switchers, matrix switchers come out with the transmitters already built in. And, you know, do you want to make that proprietary so that it can only work with our Extron equipment? You bet Extron's going to want it to work that way. Yeah. Um, you know, they've gone into making speakers. They've gone into making little amplifiers. All sorts of stuff that technically would be outside of their original range of products um, as a way to grow into a one-stop shop. Um, so, I don't know. We'll, we'll see who wins that battle eventually. Um, Right now, there's a lot of room because there's a lot of different formats. You know, okay. just with video, you've got a, a mess of different formats, even just with HDMI. And, uh, you know, I think water's going to find its own level eventually. But okay. it's going to be pretty interesting the next couple of years. It will. <laughs> It'll be a neat fight to watch because I don't want to be in the middle of it. Um, uh, one of the stories we got from Engadget is about standards, which is always a fun thing to talk about. And it's the, the ITU. They have recently um, tried to set forth two different standards. One I, I think is really valid. The other one I hate because it's 3D. So <laughs> let's talk about this for a second. Uh, the one is is U8, what they're calling UHDTV, which if you don't know what that is, that is the next generation. So your 1080p is no longer the, the best resolution you can get. It's no longer HD. Now it's UHD. So ultra high definition TV is what it stands for. Uh, the other standard that, that they're working on right now is for 3D TV for both 720 and 1080 uh, deliveries. Matt, is this something I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that these guys shouldn't do this, but Shouldn't they be more focused on the UHD part, the the 4K and the 8K stuff? And every smart person, with the exception of James Cameron that I've read, has said that 3D is is a fad. It's gonna go. It's gonna run its cycle and then kind of go away. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I really wish they would focus more on the UHD uh, segment of the market, opposed to all the glitchy little 3D stuff. Because let's face it, I, I, as we all know on this show, nobody really likes 3D. Nobody really thinks it's the coolest thing out there. Nobody wants to wear glasses. And yes, I know they're working towards glass-free systems. But again, just because they can mock it up in Final Cut uh, in the commercial labs and make it look like it's coming out of the screen and it's right in your face, it never looks that way no matter what it is. Heck, you can go see something in Real D. At the Cineplex, and it it can be okay, but it's still not that's still not the way I want to watch CNN. No, I don't want to watch Wolf Blitzer coming out of the screen at me because he scares me. There are and some. his name is Wolf. Like, come on. Yeah. But you know, it's just like uh, again, I don't want to watch CSI whatever coming out at the screen at me because honestly, I'm not sitting down and watching that much TV. I'm not looking for that type of experience i'd rather have you know heck to be honest i'd rather have full 1080p resolution on everything we watch before they even touch you know uh 3d and uhd and all this other stuff i'd be really happy with just true 1080 
like filmed on 1080, recorded in 1080, and actually broadcast in 1080. Michael? And there's my spiel. Yeah. Well, that, that actually <laughs> yeah, leads sorry. right into to Michael because this is – Michael is an integrator currently, but he is, his background is, is broadcast. And he and I have for years uh, gone back and forth. Uh, I have charter cable, and we have a, a number of HD packages. And Michael has for years told me that that's not really HD. It's squashed and quashed and compressed. Preach it. So, Mr. Drainer <laughs> – is this even worth discussing? Because we're not even getting HD now. Is that right? Let's not even talk about it. <laughs> come on. <laughs> That's the whole idea here. I mean, I mean, come on. We have we have dumbed our society down to the point that they, that we accept uh, substandard quality. It started with audio compression. It's still going on with video compression. We're seeing it with satellite and cable and other things. Now, does the average user... Notice the difference nope. with the with the new um, low loss compression algorithms and things like that. They've gotten much much better. Okay, now keep in mind, my broadcast days were about six, four, five years ago when I was really active in satellite distribution and things like that of content. So, you know, the compression has gotten much better than than what it was um, in in years past. But the typical user is not going to notice the difference. Uh, do I think we need to be wasting our time on 3D? I've made my my uh, statement known on this one, and I will preach it from the rooftops uh, until the day I die. 3D is a fad. It's not here to stay in the residential market. Uh, cinema, yes. Resi, no. Displays, mm. no. Unless you're getting into signage, special applications, I could see coming up with some guidelines and standards for that. But, I mean, quite honestly, I'm with Matt on that one. Focus on the 8K stuff. Focus on the extremely high-resolution stuff. Let's really start working on that. Let's work on on standards for compression and really how do we deliver this stuff over existing limited broadband networks uh, in an effective way and maintain quality, um, not on hey, what's the best way to make this ball bounce out into the living room. Because, yeah. I mean, we've we've talked about multiple articles and we've talked to professionals in the medical industry who say that, that the number of people who can even legitimately experience 3D is is not that vast, yeah. right? I mean, myself, I and maybe this is why I've got such a passion against <laughs> it because I can't see 3D. I mean, you and I stood at Infocom last year in Orlando yeah. with this really cool setup. I don't remember whose booth it was. No, it was it was the 3D Pavilion. Was it the Pavilion yes, that we were at? Because there was there was there was multiple yeah. vendors there. Yeah, and and Tim is sitting here seeing this great image and this this it was like uh, an F sixteen. It was cool. <laughs> Right, right. I look at it and I see two lines in a blurred <laughs> image, and it's like, okay, well, what's the point in this? You got to open both eyes, Michael. Uh, oh, is that, that the, how it works? Well, it, it was Friday. It was Friday, and he was. Hey, tired. It was not International <laughs> Talk Like a Pirate Day, so you were supposed to remove that eye patch. <laughs> what the that, eye that patch is sexy. No, it is. It is. No, it's not. That's, at least it that's is. what they tell me. No, you know, know what I can't wait for though with all this. I can't wait till we get the UHD and the 4K and the 8K, and we can film the ocean. Like three more times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. and have Morgan Freeman do a whole nother, you know, commentary talk over. Already done voice it over. Like, like, We've like, done uh, it with Exactly. Yeah, yeah, let's just keep doing it. Like the whole. This reminds me of um, 
a little uh, term called quadraphonic sound. Oh, Now it's recoined to surround, right? Exactly. So in the long run, we get, ended up with uh, 17 albums released in quadraphonic sound <laughs> over a period of three or four years. People running out and buying these systems. And, you know, it kind of fizzled because it turned out that the average consumer didn't really want to go buy all new records, didn't really want to go out and buy all these extra speakers. And, you know, it took um, the video delivery and uh, uh, home entertainment to really bring surround sound into being, which is, you know, just a, a fancy version of uh, a reinvented version of quadraphonic. I think where you're going to see 3D is going to be in military simulations, certainly in certain forms of advertising, maybe in um, medical simulations so you can teach a classroom in 3D um, from Japan in New York City. Uh, specialized applications is probably where it's going to really have its best market. The rest of us just want to see the ocean in four times as much detail. So, <laughs> and, you know. and Morgan Freeman's voice, because that's just it's cool. It's got to have Morgan Freeman's I, voice. I have a better idea. Let's let's refine holographic technology so you can truly you know walk around <laughs> it, and then we can get Tupac back out there. And uh, you know, I'm still waiting for my holo my holodeck. I'm just just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Star Trek. I, I follow one of the guys I follow on Twitter. His name is Will Wheaton. He used to be on on Next Generation, and I I, I think of that all the time when I it's. It's Will Wheaton. Stop it. It's a Wheaton. That's a family guy Wheaton. reference. Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. 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 Why are you, you know, doing Wheaton. that? Bradbury pr predicted all this. He and did. He did. Yes. Yes, but, he did. And what was the result of all that technology overload? People <laughs> rebelled against it. We became, yeah. we became subservient to our technology. So, um, yeah. I, speaking of being subservient to a giant evil corporation, Cisco. <laughs> is suing TiVo. Uh, come on. I mean, okay, here there's uh for those of you who aren't familiar with with biblical stories that I grew up with. There's a story about um of uh the 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 king of Israel named David. And one of his prophets came to him and said, "You know, here there was a guy, there was a a, a, a big king and he had tons of sheep. And he went along one day and he saw this this little sheep uh, owned by one old farmer, and the, it was the only sheep the guy had, and uh, he went and made his soldiers steal the sheep. What, sh what should happen to him? And Dave was like, well, that was just, guy's just a jerk. He should be killed. And long story short, it was the, the story of Bathsheba, and that's exactly what David had done. That's what I feel about Cisco. I mean, come on. <laughs> leave TiVo alone. They're suing them over four DVR patents. <clears throat> and according to the article in Engadget, is claiming that that TiVo is is basically thumbing their nose at Cisco. Uh, uh, Michael, should they just leave TiVo alone and let them eventually get bought by somebody? I guess. Leave the poor little critter alone. I mean, did you see him? He's crying on the article here. <laughs> on the, the link to the story. Yeah, he's crying. <laughs> is TiVo dying a slow death anyway? I know that's my well, thing. Well, it, I mean, it is, but that's why like that's why I say leave him alone. Just let him do. Let him die a peaceful death. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can get a DVR from my cable company for $4 a month yeah. that blows TiVo out of the water, you know, and I don't have to sign a 20-year contract agreement and have a telephone line hooked up. And, you know, I've got a friend that I've gone over and serviced his home theater system, which I don't normally do residential. But, you know, people ask me to do that stuff and sometimes for them. And his TiVo system is an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And he bought a lifetime subscription package 
and without this was before HD, and now for him to go to HD, they want him to resubscribe a new lifetime package. Oh, he's absolutely furious about it. So he's watching everything in standard def. You know, he's a <laughs> stockbroker. He only has TiVo so that he can watch, you know, Mad Money and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really the resolution really doesn't hey, matter to him. Hold on, he's an, he's oh, an no, 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 no. You, that watches Mad Money. You cannot watch oh. Jim Cramer and not have it high definition. <laughs> I am yes, sorry. You, you are not a true financial guy. <laughs> that, if you're watching no. Jim Cramer in standard. We got to see him in 3D. I want to see Jim in 3D. No, I mean, good lord. Throw, throwing <laughs> the bulls at you. Throwing the bulls at you. <laughs> I want that bull to jump out at me. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. you know, I'd be furious if I was if I'd been sold that package. What do you mean? That's not lifetime, you know. Oh, but if the te- if the we go to HD, it's a different it's a different ball game. Okay, so let's 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 bring this back around to one of our other stories. What happens when we go when we go to 4K or 8K? I mean, good lord, I'm I'm only so old, but by the time I you know I, I expire, who knows what the resolution will be? You know, so I if it goes to 4K, I can call my cable company and get a 4K box. Yeah. And charge me anything extra, you know, maybe a buck or two more, but it's not, you know, they're not locking me into some ridiculous uh, kind of kind of situation, just like a lot of the cell phone companies with the contracts, you know. Those things are going to fall away because, you know, people want flexibility, they want to be able to upgrade and um, have it the way they want it, be able to customize it, so some companies are more successful than others, so I, I, I agree, I don't understand what Cisco's trying to get out of, out of that uh, case at all that's royalties it's all about money at the end of the day they're just you know, it's a power play yeah. that's exactly what it is you know because they want to take those patents and integrate it into the new cisco tv that they're going to release to compete with apple tv which is going to be released to compete with the xbox integration of the microsoft glass and you know it's just a big it's a big yeah Can i'm I sorry you on that? <laughs> sure <laughs> Um, from Business Insider, which is not something I normally read because I'm not that smart. Uh, a guy by the name of Henry Blodgett, who is really smart, uh, is is makes a correlation between kind of smart. huh? Kind of smart. Well, he's kind of smart, and and we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll we will test his smartness here. Um, he correlates the the downturn on of, of newspaper readerships, kind of to the downturn in what he sees as. TV market or the TV business in general. Uh, his his points are this: you know, we most people, in, in his words, most people hardly ever watch televisions when or television shows when they're broadcast anymore because of either they can download them on on Apple or or Amazon or they can DVR them. We rarely watch the ads in those uh, shows because of the DVR. Uh, they lot that we people watch uh, either. Uh, movies or other free uh, videos such as YouTube on their TVs, and they get you know most a lot of their content and a lot of their news and information from the internet. You know, a lot is a, is a subjective term. So Matt is is you know are, are is the TV industry in trouble, and how does that if they are, how does that affect us? I mean, I don't I I don't see it really affecting us because. All we really cared cared about is is the content itself. I mean, we don't care if it comes off the internet or off of a DVD player, right? Right, and I would say that it is to a degree in trouble, but I don't know how troublesome it is. You know what I mean? Like it's yes, it's in trouble, and yes, we're we're slowly moving away from um, 
you know, large format. We're doing a lot on smaller screens, but I don't know if that's really going to affect something or affect this in the long run. I.e., yes, do I watch Netflix on my iPhone? Yes, I do. I just downloaded a seasons or the first season of Sons of Anarchy mm. in case I get bored on the flight to Infocom. I love I'm that like, show. Great. My wife loves that show. <laughs> I'll watch it on my iPad. It'll be cool. Yeah. That being said, am I watching it on my phone or my iPad because I want to? Or is there a lifestyle reason behind it? For me, it's always a lifestyle thing. Why do I watch stuff on my phone? Well, because I'm in bed and my wife is sleeping and I'm wide awake. And if I turn the TV on, it'll wake her up. Mm-hmm. Why am I watching it on an iPad in the plane? Well, because last time I checked, Delta did not approve of me trying to carry on my 60-inch plasma. That could be a problem. <laughs> no, no, you, you can do it. You just have to buy two seats for that. Oh, okay. But the important- well, if I do two seats, then eh, it's, it would be worth it, actually. <laughs> but The important part there is you're still watching it. Exactly. That's never going to fall away. People want to be entertained. They want visual. They're, you know, they're always going to be watching some kind of content on some kind of content delivery system. Yeah. I think what it is, it's just an evolution. So the old style network broadcast model is definitely um, threatened, just like uh, printed newspapers. But I, you know, I know people who still love opening up a newspaper and re- actually reading the articles. That they don't want. To, some people don't want to read that stuff online. And if I go to watch a TV show online, I have to watch a commercial first. Please wait for this commercial to play until, you know, and then we'll let you see the show. So they're going to continue to figure out ways to, to force you to see some advertising. Mm-hmm. The advertising revenues are going to continue to drive what these technologies are. And I don't see that. I see that evolving. But, um, yeah, you're not going to be spending $40 million to... Uh, to build a station that's only going to transmit one type of media. Right now, my company is involved in a project um, that's kind of interesting with pack engineering and Viper cabling here in San Diego. Um, some folks just bought the Union Tribune, and like many papers around the country, it's somewhat in trouble. And this guy has decided that what he wants to do is build a TV station that's 24 hours a day San Diego local news of all different types hmm. and you know if you really think about it that gets into like restaurant reviews and you know going you know um, arts and media and all sorts of other things besides just what we call it hard news and um, they're real confident they're going to be successful because not so much because of just counting on viewership over TV but also looking ahead towards streaming that um, you know there's not a lot of live news shows you can watch right now that are streamed on the net. Well, you're going to see that change real quick. Yeah. Um, and so you're going to see companies like this coming at it from all sides. You know, they're already sitting there writing the news content. Why not use that same content that's going to print to broadcast on the air? So I think it's a trend that, you know, these newspapers are either going to see new ways to reinvent themselves or they'll fall away, you know. Well, is this kind of why, Mark, uh, a couple other stories that we had that, that plays right into that. One is the fact that, that the report came out this last week that Netflix is beating Apple as one of the main uh, movie sources online. The other one is that Google and Facebook are kind of duking it out for something called Vivo. I mean, is that because these companies with really smart people see exactly what you're talking about? 
Yeah, and they want to make it easy. You know, I can I can watch Netflix on any number of devices. A thousand devices, yeah. Right? You know, but again, you know, my impression of the Apple stuff is I've got to have Apple stuff to watch. Well, and, and in addition oh. to that, though, not to, not to cut you off, Tim, with the Apple stuff, I don't pay a subscription and get access to everything. No, you I have, pay for I, I buy, everything I pay. you watch. Yes. That's exactly I have an Apple TV, TV the, the second-generation Apple TV. I love it for Netflix. I love it for accessing <laughs> my iTunes library. I love it for uh, Vimeo and YouTube and things like that. Occasionally, I'll buy a show on it that I, that I missed on broadcast um, or that I didn't get on my DVR, right, mm-hmm. that didn't record for whatever reason. But outside of that, I, I don't use it for the traditional Apple TV type stuff. Okay. Now, I've, I've got to agree with you completely because we do the exact same thing. We just had our, our last chain of uh, disc you know, rental stores closed down. Mm-hmm. So now there's, there's really nowhere to go rent a Blu-ray. And I'm not buying every Blu-ray that comes out. Mm-hmm. Our cable company supplies... Uh, videos that you can you can pay for and you know rent and watch, but even their HD is laughable HD, not even to get into the audio side of it. So I do the one thing I use my Apple TV for in its true form the most is I rent movies on it, right? And I pay for each one, but even with the you know the amount of movies I watch, I still spend more time on my Apple TV. With Netflix, because again, I pay eight bucks a month, and I get every well, I get the Canadian version of everything. <laughs> is that, is, does, that mean, does that mean there's an A at the end of every sentence? Oh, <laughs> no, geez. but it just means we don't get most of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Movies available. Four. Well, you know what, you know what. I, I mean, not to, not to digress too much here, but actually, you kind of surprised me there, Matt. That you, that I don't buy Blu-rays. Okay, I rent Blu-rays from Netflix if I want something on Blu-ray because I'm I don't know how long Blu-ray is going to be around. Quite honestly, we don't don't have. I don't invest a lot. This is Canada, dude. We don't have Blu-ray delivery service. Netflix is just web. Oh really? Uh Netflix is just web. So it's literally we've got to go if I want a Blu-ray. Which and I agree with you that yes, they're going. They I do think they'll go away. I do think they'll die. My concern is how long will it be? before we get true, you know, Blu-ray quality in some form of streaming. Right. So, so I, I whether actually, you guys get it next year in, in the States, we'll be five years down the road. Right. Like, we just right. got the first networked DVR here and they, they run commercials and act as if it's this brand new technology that our cable company came up with. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, this has been like on direct TV for like five freaking years, man. What are hey. you doing? Hey, if you get if you get the Dish Network version, you could skip over the network um, yeah, no, commercials. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. But you know, I did want to I did want to address what Mark was talking about with the broadcasters and and that going by the wayside and at the local news and in everything we were just talking about there. Um, coming from as a former broadcaster and, and working at World, I built television stations for six years for a, a broadcast group here in St. Louis, and. One of the things that we started to see was people moving away from the traditional broadcast model. I think we're all seeing that. I think the industry is recognizing that, and it's it's on demand. I want it now. I want it the way I want it. And the only thing that I see that is really going to keep the local broadcast station alive is local news, at least mm-hmm. in the at least in the mid medium term next 
you know, uh, 5, 10, 15 years, something along, along those lines. But as more and more media is converted to web-based streaming and it becomes more accessible to those who are um, – uh, don't have the resources to buy the bandwidth and subscribe to the services, that's when we're going to see the transition. Until it becomes accessible to everyone, the broadcasters are still going to be alive and well. Uh, not well, but they're still going to be alive. <laughs> well, it, it, it goes back to a couple of weeks ago, um, Warren Buffett, who is not exactly a, a stupid man when it comes to money, uh, purchased a, a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of newspapers, local news, newspapers, for that very same reason, I mean, it, it's it's this hyper localness um, mm-hmm. that will keep honestly mass media alive. Uh, it's something that I felt for years. I mean, it, it, when I was in radio, when satellite uh, radio started up and coming, and people were like, "Oh my gosh, it's the end of radio." Well, no, it's not. It's mm-hmm. people will still want you know local weather and local traffic. Um, to because here, here's the thing, you know, deep and down, we're all kind of you know. We're all kind of self-centered, and we and we like our local stuff. I mean, I'm in St. Louis. I like to know what's going on in 270, uh, which is a highway that just loops and loops and loops around St. Louis. Um, you know, if you're in uh, Boston or, or you're in New York, I'm sure that there is is that local highway. Uh, and so we all want to know what's going on in our local area. So whether that's newspaper or TV or radio, it will all still be around. Just depends on how we how we get it. So yeah, well, I think it's, good. It, it's oh, go ahead, Mark. I think the success of the of this um, evolution is really firmly based in local stuff. That's why this um, the Tribune here is doing this, uh, you know, because I can turn that on and watch a show about the local restaurants, the local music programs, um, you know, what's going on in the theater, um, what's going on on the highway. And I think some of that eventually will be sort of on demand. What local news do I want to see right now? You know, but but so you're, you're absolutely multi-platform broadcasting. You know, not just here's what we're we're talking about at the moment, but which which thing do you want us to talk about right now? What do you want to hear? And you know, even just like with the on-demand movies, the cable companies and the satellite companies are looking at you know giving you that instant gratification on whatever level you want. And I think that. The local stuff is going to be a strong base for that, you know. You're, you're absolutely right, Mark, and that's where it has to go to survive. Because I don't know how about you guys, but I don't sit there and watch the local news uh, through every story to see everything going on. No. I hit the website, I look at the articles that are interesting to me, I hit those video clips only, and right. I watch those just to get the information I want. I don't want to sit there and just you know at nauseum listen to every single thing that's going on. I want to know what's important to me at that moment in time. And so as they get to that, that delivery method, that's what's going to sustain them. So I, I see that the, the broadcast thing is a short term. And when I say short term, I mean, that's, you know, it's still years, but um, it, it's not going to last in the long run. It's still years. And you have the technology trickling out to the rest of the world as well. Right. You know, you know what the biggest um, broadcast network in the world is? Trinity Broadcasting. I was going to say TBN. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I know this because I've done a lot of work with them. Yeah. And, you know, 90% of their projects are in other parts of the world yeah. because you have emerging, what we call emerging markets. Right. And, right. you know, so all these folks have is a standard deaf TV. Well, guess what? Old broadcast equipment from the United States can be shipped down to South America, reinstalled, and you've got a whole new viable advertising market happening. Wow. 
Speaking so, of which, I just decommissioned an old analog, uh, a 5K analog uh, transmitter on channel 50. So mm-hmm. if anybody out there needs a transmitter for a third world country, let me know. I, I, got, a, I got one for you. He's, it's in his backyard right now. Interested in that. <laughs> all right, uh, real quickly, guys, before we uh, before we say goodbye and all of us pack our bags and head to Vegas. Um, this comes to us from Forbes. Again, I'm not that smart, so I usually don't read this. But it, the, the, the article, the title of the article is called "Is Your Firm Running an IT Deficit?" And before you yell at me and, and remind me that we're on an AV show, it, it, the the article itself got me thinking. It goes on to talk about how uh, you know over the last few years, IT companies or, or just companies in general have been cutting their IT staff. Uh, to save money, and, and they've got these old um, antiquated systems, and stop me if this sounds familiar, and you can correlate this to AV, you know, where you've, you've got one or two guys, or maybe no guys, who really know uh, what the system was that was put in originally and how it works, and now we have to upgrade, right? Now we have digital. In the IT world, they have IPv6. Now we have, you know, digital and, and, and content um, management and all this other stuff. Um, they have a name for it. It's called IT debt, and it basically it means you know you've got you, you have you have a, a a shortage of intelligence, a, a shortage of, of manpower, a shortage of talent in the IT area for these companies. And I'm glad that all three of you are integrators because this is this really it does help. Uh, Mark, I'll, I'll start with you on this. Do you think that uh, companies have an AV de- deficit? when it comes to their infrastructure? I think in the moment, yes. I think, uh, you know, the, the word convergence has been bouncing around Infocom. Ad nauseum. Just ad nauseum. But, and that, but that's really what's going on. And then the IT world is reshaping how AV products are installed and sold as well. Um, a lot of the old models are starting to fall away. I hear a lot of talk about that. So, you know, I, I think that there is a deficit, but I also think that you'll you'll have new talent pop up to take advantage of the opportunities, and to come in and and help develop interoperability, and um, more more methods and platforms. You know, my question is: Is it really an issue of talent? Because I do I do think there's a deficit in talent in the AV industry and being able to work in the converged world. But is it an issue where, as they're saying in this article, companies have pulled back the spending on maintaining their technology in general? So from an IT standpoint, you know, they're not investing in virtualization. They're not investing in uh, uh, cloud technology. They're not investing in new wireless and things like that. In the AV world, as an integrator, I'm still seeing a lot of companies say, hey, you know what? Just give me the VGA for right now because I don't want to spend all the money on it. Well, right. you do know VGA is going away next year, right? You know, the, the PC manufacturers are no longer supporting it. And any PC you buy is not going to have VGA connector on it. What are you going to do about that? Well, it's okay. It'll get me by for right now. We'll deal with it when it gets here. And so I, I see this, this kind of technology deficit where companies, even the stuff they're investing in now, they're not really investing in it. It's just kind of putting a patch on it. Like, get me through. Get me by. Yeah. It's, it's and, not a- uh, it's not a talent deficit. It's a perspective deficit. Exactly. Hmm. You know, and, and so the AV companies have always been slow to change. You know, those of us who've dealt with broadcast engineers know this very well. They like a piece of copper and a BNC connector, you know, mm-hmm. and yet they can do it all with fiber. So with many less wires, you know, well, or gig E, you know, we did, we started moving a lot of stuff over to gig E. 
Right. So, you know, it, it, it's more about people being willing to go into the technologies. Now, in the commercial AV world, we're somewhat driven by our customers. And so, you know, you try to explain to the customer that VGA has fallen away. Well, you know, everything we got right now is a VGA plug on it. We're just going to stick with that. What are you going to do? You're still going to sell them a VGA system, you know. But um, we all know that we're going to have to go back into those facilities and upgrade them one way or another. They're going to be forced into it, just like people were forced into digital broadcast or HDMI. They're, you know, forced into it by um, what's available and what people want to have. So it's a process over time. Very cool. Matthew, you guys don't have a, 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 a AV deficit, do you? Matthew? Yeah. <laughs> I think he took offense at that, too. I'm sorry. Matt, <laughs> Scott. Did my mother just walk into the room? Oh, geez, be quiet. <laughs> what the heck is going on? Well, you're being quiet, it, so I was trying ser- to... Seriously, do we have an AV deficit yeah. in Canada? Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes I forget because of your lack of, of accent where you're really at. Never mind. I know. You know, it, just as Mark was saying, this is something that we see everywhere. I, I'm still continually amazed at the number of commercial jobs that we, we spec where, just as he said, everybody wants VGA. Why? Because they know it and love it. it it's the old standard that they understand. And as soon as we say anything digital, they look at us and go, I'm sorry, what? Oh, you, H, huh? That's, you mean the, hold on, wait, back up. And, and that's how the conversations usually go. So, yeah, there's, there's a vast majority of companies uh, that are in this realm. And, and yeah, it, it always, you know, it, it always comes down to a budget thing. So when they see it as being more expensive they don't care that it's it's going away. They don't care that we say it's dying because, again, to them, they may not be buying, you know, a boatload of new new computers for, for their whole office next year when VGA will no longer be available. That's their mindset is that as soon as this dies, well, then, yeah, maybe we'll address that. But – as of now, no, that affects my bottom line, and honestly, I just don't want to spend the money on AV. But but do you, do you correct me if I'm wrong? Both Matt and and Mark, um, what I'm seeing is just this this gap, this jump over digital infrastructure, and people immediately wanting to go to wireless technologies. And you know, like we were talking the Apple TV earlier, I got people that want to integrate Apple TVs, and they want to be able to stream from their iPads to their projectors, but they don't want to put the HDMI cable in the wall plate. Well, one of the, if I can jump in here, Mark, one of the biggest things we see is that uh, especially, you don't, I know it's there in the larger, say, Fortune 500 companies, but they're all used to having to go through all the hoops to get anything done, anything accomplished. Um, in, in a lot of the smaller commercial situations, yeah, we definitely see that because it's something where they don't want the, they don't want the cable. They don't want the plug. That's not cool. How come their kid can come home and unplug and sw- me? Exactly, and swipe something up uh, from their iPad onto their TV. That that's what they want to do. That's what they want to see. And, and most times they don't care that it's not a a commercial product and it's not a commercial application right. and it's not designed to work flawlessly all the time in a you know office building full of 
you know, access points and, and all the other things that we have to deal with, they don't care. Because, again, they're not the technology specialists. We are. Isn't that kind of the flip that's happened over the last 20 years? I mean, it used to be that the broadcast and the pro realm of our industry is what drove the commercial. And now it's the residential that's driving what you put in, in, into the boardroom. Because you're right. They come home and they see their, their teenage kid swiping something and throwing it wirelessly up on the, on the big screen. And they're wondering why the heck they still have to plug in their laptop to do a presentation. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's the thing is there's and you know there's always been these you know commercials and stuff of the the business pro going to a meeting with just a BlackBerry and boom his presentation is on the screen, and it doesn't matter that that wasn't you know as a rule possible anywhere. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were could, using a BlackBerry for credit. Well, that was you know part A of the problem, but you know <laughs> again that's just that disconnect they see the coolness and the cool factor of what's possible gosh i i honestly did a a quote for a commercial client a couple weeks ago and they wanted to know what it would cost to put in that virtual touch screen that they use on i think it's like ncis la <laughs> where where you just you know it's like a sheet of glass and you oh grab God. it and you twist it and you spin it and you flick it all the way around the room to the other side and their heart, you know, you what could was, see their heart breaking when I said, yeah, that's really just some After Effects and Cinema 4D graphics. No, you should have given them a quote. <laughs> hey, hey, actually, $10 actually, million. Matt, dollars. Actually, Matt, $10 dollars? You, you, say that, you say that in jest, but we did a project for a, a local customer here in St. Louis. No, it wasn't that fancy by any stretch of the imagination, but using a V panel um, and giving them the cool swipe control and things in their security yeah. room, we were able to throw up things and make it interactive for the security director to be able to monitor this 180-some security cameras that he's got out on his campus. And well, again, man, you it, talk about cool. That was cool, but yeah, it's, it it's still not what – people but think it is no yeah. and and that's the thing is you know everybody thinks that you know in that situation it's literally we'll take the v panel out of the box plug it in and boom you're done right and it, it's it's no 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 this it's is like hours upon easy. hours upon hours <laughs> yes of lots of programming. strong programming <laughs> and mm. everything else like i yeah. remember the first time we tried to program the v panel uh from crestron with the swipe when they first brought out swipe just for a simple little resi thing to flip the pages. Mm-hmm. And that was hours mm-hmm. of program just to yep. flip the bloody pages. Yes. And, you know, for a lot of clients, that's when I look at that and go, okay, so we could provide, especially in resi, we could provide a V panel with flipping and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Or we could throw in Sonos and download the app. Right. Huh. <laughs> I'm going with Sonos. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All and right. not that I'm a huge Sonos. You better get control of this one, too. I know, because he's starting to... to <laughs> I'm ranting now. No, he's going off onto Sonos land. And uh, I know, I know. That's no, that goes nowhere good fast. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we're going to start wrapping up. First, though, uh, the reason that, that Mark is, is really with us is, um, is Mark is a part of a, a new... Uh, a new Crestron group called the the Independent Technolo- Technical Service Providers Council. Actually, uh, one of our good buddies, Adrian uh, Boyd, who's been on the show more than once, um, is, is also a part of it. Mark, kind of tell us real quickly about the group and how people can get invited and, and, and tell them uh, actually where you guys' booth are, is going to be. 
Uh, our booth is going to be in the Central Hall, very close to the House of Worship Pavilion. Um, I, I don't have the exact booth number. It is 5653. Oh, yes, that's right. C5653. Central Hall. Uh, it's you know the first time that this council's emerging to the industry. Uh, we're actually part of Infocom. We're um, under the Infocom umbrella. Mm-hmm. There's nine councils that are um, different sectors of the industry. That the councils is basically a way for different groups of people to work with the Infocom staff and the larger membership body to uh, participate in things like help create standards, represent their part of the industry. And so forth and so on. So we're a nonprofit um, subgroup of the Infocom organization, and our particular group is comprised of integrators and other people, other kinds of companies that are service providers. We don't sell products primarily. Some of us sell a small amount of products. Uh, some of us just sell cable and run a particular job and things like that. But basically, what we do is provide services to other organizations that do have those uh, delivery systems in place, like dealers and VARs, even distributors and large consulting firms, and even occasionally directly to a university or a very large corporation. And we go out and do installations, service, commissioning. Um, We have members that we provide um, technicians for live event staffing even. So anything with under that umbrella of providing services is the primary focus, and certainly any companies in the industry that are that feel that they're somewhere in that category are welcome to contact us and, and look at joining. There's no cost to being a part of an Infocom council per se. Um, our particular council has asked that you be a commercial member uh, so that you can participate in the conference calls and the meetings. But it's basically an open membership in the sense of, only in the sense of that you're not a dealer or an equipment seller as your primary focus. Hmm. Um, All of the other councils are based on similar aspects. Um, The Independent Programmers Council, the Independent Consultants Council, one council, the uh, Silk Council, is actually comprised of the dealers. And then there's a Manufacturers Council. So, you know, it's a way of representing different Parts and of aspects the, of the industry, yeah. Yeah, being able to get together and communicate and look at what we'd like to support. Like right now, we're looking at becoming involved with the Silk Council on the Labor uh, Guidelines Subcommittee, mm. which is going to create basically a book of standards that you know salespeople and project managers can look at and say, okay, how long does it really take to do this? We're getting ready to do this bid. You know, what does the industry say it takes to, to install this equipment? versus what we normally experienced ourselves. Um, so by collaborating information together, we can help um, create these things. That's how the certifications, the CTS was mm-hmm. created. That's how the best practices and standards have been created um, by these councils and committees uh, working together and sharing information. So it's very exciting, and we really appreciate Infocom supporting us. I've worked for four years to literally to find other companies that could fit into this category and participate. And in the beginning, I went to the Infocom staff and said, you know, can you direct me to other companies like mine? They said, no, we have no way to do that. We wouldn't know how to do that Um, (laughs) because we were all lumped into the dealer category. You're integrators, so you must be dealers. How could you integrate and not sell equipment? 
Well, in the IT world, that happens all the time. So, you know, outsourcing labor is a new um, force across many industries because it's expensive to have people sitting around a shop waiting for projects. Yeah. yeah so th this is a growing area. So as we went around the convention, we basically just had to slog our way around the convention and meet people and ask people, ask our clients, who else do you guys use that, you know, you know, similar capacity. In over four years, me and Scott Welsh and Patty McGoldrick um, finally found 25 other companies that were similar. And they all said the same thing. Wow, I'd love to be recognized. I'd love to be um, able to walk up to people and say, yes, I'm this sector of the industry and have them understand that. So our struggle is for people to actually understand that we exist. And I'll tell you what, people told me the dealers would be very resistant to us, quote unquote, organizing. Actually, they were the first ones to get behind us and say, so can I get that list of 25? <laughs> well, that's good. All right. So if, you, if, you're, uh, if you're interested in, in either joining the council or at least learning more about them, go by their booth, uh, C5653. Um, also, they're going to be doing having cake, which is always a good thing. <laughs> um, Wednesday afternoon, the 13th of June at Infocom uh, at 3 o'clock. So, Mark, thank you so much. Uh, what is your website, and do you have a Twitter if, if people would like to get a hold of you? Um, I don't have a Twitter account. I'm kind of old-fashioned. but We're working on that. We, we have a website, which is wirewizards.tv. Okay. And, um, yeah, you, you can come by the booth and get a uh, member directory. That list is now available to the entire AV industry. Awesome. And I, we have 33 members right now. I predict by next year we'll probably have over 100 easily. They're out there. The problem is locating them and getting them to participate. And with this booth, the point of the booth is for us to emerge really, you know, big time to the industry yeah. and yeah. enable that to happen. So, you know, awesome. it'll be exciting to have people come by and learn more about us. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I, I do appreciate it. Uh, also with us is Matt Scott from Omega Audio Video. What is your, uh, your, your website and which Twitter would you like to promote, sir? Which Twitter? Uh, You've you got can... like 10. Uh, no, I've, well, yeah, probably. Um, my company website is omegaaudiovideo.com, and my personal website is mattdscott.com, and you can find us on Twitter at Omega Audio Video, at mattdscott, and definitely at trade shows at Matt Scott's Hair. <laughs> yes, at Matt Scott's Hair. Oh, good Lord. Uh, also with us from uh, Tech Electronics in St. Louis, Missouri, Mr. Michael Drainer. Thank you so Yay! much, sir. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be with you folks today. And what is your, your Twitter and your, your websites? You can find me on Twitter at Michael Drainer, all one word. And uh, website is techelectronics.com, T-E-C-H-E-L-E-C-T-R-O-N-I-C-S.com. Excellent. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. If you would like to follow me and, and the, the sparse ramblings that I have, it is TD Tim David Albright uh, at Tim at TD Albright. But more importantly for me and the guys here, uh, go check out either our website. Is that right, Matt? <laughs> it's it's yeah. up. Okay, okay. Uh, it, well, it, it yes, will be. It will be up for Infocom. By the time you hear this, it will be. Uh, it's at uh, avnation.tv. It's brand spanking new. avnation.tv uh, to find out all about us, what we do here, who's involved. Uh, Matt Scott has uh, has worked tirelessly, his fingers to the bone, and it's actually quite pretty. Uh, to get <laughs> this uh, or any other podcast, go to our friends at Rave Pubs. Ravepubs.com forward slash avnation. Ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. That's all the time we have for AV Week.